This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. This is Bonjour Chai, the Mazel Tov Cocktail Edition. I'm Avi Feingold, and I'm here with Phoebe Maltzbovi. We are your Frozen Chosen. On today's show, we talk security. We talk the Israel rally in D.C. Lots of other things in between. Stay tuned for that. Phoebe, you know, what a week. I like to think that, like... We, we slow down at some point, but we keep not slowing down. How are you doing? All right. All right. How about you? Uh, I'm okay. I'm, uh, you know, doing my thing, uh, living the suburban life. And uh, yeah, I saw this uh, rally yesterday. I, you know, we were recording on Wednesday. Uh, there was this huge rally yesterday. Um, Phoebe, did you see, think, experience anything about it? Which rally do you mean specifically? Because I've seen a bunch of rallies. I was recently trying to get home, in fact, with my family, but couldn't because of the streetcar being obstructed by the Toronto streetcar being obstructed by a, a rally that I doubt is the one you're talking about. Oh, the which, rally. Which rally the, the are one, you talking about? Uh, the because one that one dominated the Jewish uh, conversation uh, all week, uh, the March for Israel in Washington, D.C., which drew a reported 270, 280,000 people from across North America um, to mm-hmm. Washington, D.C., um, did you hear? Would you like my quick that? reaction to that? <laughs> Please, uh, no, no, it completely, completely, it completely missed that in all my social media feeds. I could give you my gut reaction, which would be that I saw this and I thought, what, what a silly person I am, bothering to become Canadian at this moment. So I'm Canadian and American. I'm not Israeli. I'm Canadian and American. And I thought, well. I guess we're all going back to America. No, I didn't quite think that, but I did think like that it was interesting that it seems that this is, it it showcased for me a difference in American public opinion and Canadian public opinion that something like this would happen in the States. And I have trouble picturing something on this level happening in Canada, unless Avi, have I missed it? Has something on this level happened in Canada? To get 300,000 Jews from Canada. But they aren't all Jews. They they were not all Jews. The vast majority of them were. But, but, you know, that's probably. How can can you know that the vast majority were Jews? I mean, I wouldn't doubt Uh, it. You're right. I can't know. But my, again, my hunch, my gut is seeing the pictures, seeing the posts, seeing who was actually traveling beyond that, it seemed like the majority of people there were Jewish. This this is something that. I'm going to digress, but I'm going to have to, that has come up in the rallies that exist um, on both sides of this conflict is that I feel like everybody with the, certainly with the pro-Palestinian rallies, it's always like, look, it's the, it's the anti-Zionist Jews marching and their allies. And I always want to know what's the actual ratio of allies to anti-Zionist Jews. (laughs) You know, because like there's always you see the banner. There will always be like the banner from the Jews against yes. Zionism. But like, and and, and you see I, the banners of these rallies also. Christians united right, for Israel. Right, or, right. You so know, I'm, always, yeah. I'm always, I'm always just curious in both contexts. Um, there's no real way of knowing. And because, of, yeah, yeah, because yeah. like I saw tons of pictures from it. But if this really had hundreds of thousands of people, and I saw pictures of maybe at most hundreds of people, I don't feel like I have any sense of who exactly yeah um my was i wasn't the speakers there were certainly all across the board 
Yeah, they were absolutely, and I think that people thought that that was important to to hear that, even if in the moment it ran really late and people were like getting restless. I wasn't at the rally, but my wife was. Um, my initial gut reaction was because my feed was so, and I I don't usually like I I sort of like use the feed as a news like hey what's going on in the world without posting. I'm kind of become a lurker on all social medias these days. Um, my feeds were filled with pictures of people who were going to the rally, who were staying there, they were there to support Israel. And it almost felt like a party atmosphere was like happening. All these people were taking pictures and selfies and like, hey, I met, I saw this person I hadn't seen in years and I ran into this person and we're going to go get together for dinner after and all of this stuff. And I asked my wife about it because she was there and she goes, no, 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 sadly mistaken. This was very much a serious event. Um, the people that were there that were gathered, it felt prayerful in the right prayerful moments. It felt silent and, you know, sad in the right moments. It felt rallying in the moments when they were, you know, joining together to rally to 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 voice their you know collective voices um but it was not that and so that i should not necessarily you know listen to my social feeds as a um as a accurate description of the way things actually are yeah i mean i think this is really interesting because i think i would i'm gonna have to be the position of neither you nor your wife on this which is that there oh, well, isn't <laughs> this isn't um Again, I'm I'm going again on the basis simply of the sheer numbers. If there are hundreds of thousands of people gathered, what you saw was probably true. What she saw was probably true. And there were probably a million other things happening that would also be true. And I think, but then my other thought on this is that I do think that there has always been a social element to what gets reported on as protests. So like, if you think about when high school students skip class to protest, are they, you know, cutting class or protesting. Well, maybe both, who knows? Um, but same with older people. And I, I thought about this a lot in terms of COVID when there were all these lockdowns and then suddenly there were these big youth led protests in the streets. Yes, of course, this was about righteous political anger. It was also finally a time to leave the house and see people in person. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I, I had this thought, this is going to seem a little bit out there. So just bear with me. But I saw these two flyers next to each other um, on a like on a post, whatever, um, near where I live. And there are tons and tons and tons of pro-Palestinian and uh, pro-ceasefire flyers in my neighborhood. And there, these have been one version or another since basically since October 7th. There have been flyer, maybe October 8th. You know, there have been like tons of flyers in my neighborhood. And I, my neighborhood does not have the hostage flyers. So we have not had the drama of people tearing down uh, hostage flyers because nobody's been putting them up to begin with where I live. Um, but anyway, I saw these two flyers next to each other. One was come protest um, for a ceasefire in whatever, in front of the American embassy or whatever it was. And then the other one was 40s and over singles night, come gather at such and such place to meet other people. And I started to think like, oh my goodness, these are like two different events to mingle just for different generations. Um because there is a social aspect of protest. And I don't think that that of activism, I don't think that that's specific. I don't think that that's like one side or another. I think that that's, um, I think that's often people often dismiss protest on that basis and say like, well, people are just, they want to be cool. They want to be with their friends, but like, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, yeah. I think that's on people like, People are social creatures, right? So sure. I think that's some of it. And are, um, are like to socialize with like-minded individuals. Yeah. And so when you're all of a sudden with 150 or 
150,000 other people that think like you, you end up feeling social about it because you automatically have a barrier that's broken down. Which for is sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I do think something that fascinates me and that I'm going to be writing about and really haven't explored in detail yet um, elsewhere is just this idea of like one side being the cool side and one side being the dorky side in all of this, that mm-hmm. like the cool people are pro-Palestinian and the dorky people are pro-Israel and that you're aligning yourself with like mm-hmm. sort of dorkiness somehow. Like there, there's this way that and I don't, and I'm not, I don't mean this at all to dismiss people's extremely strong and informed views on the actual conflict. But I mean, I think there is a sort of, there's a way that aesthetics kind of enters into it. And absolutely. This is a good seg into our other topic uh, for the day. I got an email about this rally at Concordia on Thursday at noon, and it was advertised as a highly secured event. Um, and I thought that that was an interesting, like, this is the feature that you need to have in order to have a rally in Montreal. Um, and Montreal seems to be, you know, a little bit on fire these days. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff going on uh, that is both a lot of small things, but a lot of small things that, you know, really have the ability to escalate into bigger things, possibly, so, uh, Avi, possibly let's, not. Let's, let's lean I'm, into the concrete. What, yes, what has yes. happened in Montreal? So, I was getting to it. Okay. Um, you know, in the past week, I can look at the fact that there was a bullet that was fired into the doorway of a school multiple times, multiple times at Yeshiva Gadola in Montreal, which was my elementary and high school. So every time I see the pictures of that on the news, it brings back like I know everything that goes on. I know that block intimately well. It happened also at the uh, Talmud Torah school. There was a, a Molotov cocktail that was thrown at Beth Tikva and Dollar de Zormo. There was please a- please say what these things are because. Some a, of us a Molotov, are not. Beth Tikva is a not synagogue. a Molotov cocktail. Yes. yes. The, yes this, what are these institutions <laughs> you just named? There was, when we were living in Chicago the first time, there was actually a Molotov cocktail was thrown at a synagogue in um, in Chicago, and the news reported it as a Mazel Tov cocktail. Oh no! And it became like a a meme for a while. Uh, sure. <laughs> but <laughs> Beth Tikva is a synagogue in Dollar de Zormo. Uh, the Talmud Torah School is a elementary school in the Snowden Cote de neighborhood. There was there was a, a heated argument uh, over two pro- counter protests that devolved into arrests and injury at Concordia University with two. Uh, battling uh, protests happening at the same time with uh, a lot of security in the way, but that nevertheless led to still arrests and uh, injury. And then on top of that, there was a list that's been passed around now on social media with a bunch of restaurants and Jewish uh, institu- uh, Jewish and Israeli-owned institutions that people should boycott and not only boycott, but should vandalize. Um, it's terribly sad that restaurants have been targeted as a result of this. But there's a restaurant that I saw on that list that I know was owned by a friend of mine. And I messaged him and I'm like, did you see this? Because this is both totally scary and hysterical because your restaurant hasn't been open since before the pandemic. Oh, my goodness. Well. <laughs> They they showed them. They showed that restaurant. And then I was also shocked at that list of like what was missing, like Shea Benny, Benny Afis, which is the like the flagship, you know, Israeli kosher restaurant in Montreal that everybody goes to, wasn't on the list. I'm like, do you like do do see your homework, guys? Come on. If you're gonna be vandalizing people, like at least get a comprehensive list out there. Um yeah. I was gonna ask about that list. So this because this I've been following these stories more in Toronto, because that's where I live. Um, and it seems like everything, it, it look, it'll look like Jewish businesses being targeted, but then there will always be this whole thing of, well, well actually, don't you know um, that there's some connection to 
somebody was once like their their cousin's next door neighbor was in the IDF. So actually, the B, it's a really legitimate BDS target and blah, blah, blah. And like, so Jesse Brown, actually, mm-hmm. a friend of the pod, had a really uh, powerful thread about all of this, where he's saying like, nobody's thinking about these things, these obscure th- connections to Israel when they're just like going to a Jewish thing in Canada. Yeah. And I actually, I mean, without the call for vandalism, I'm like, if you want to boycott Jewish uh, or Israeli owned restaurants, because you don't like what Israelis are doing right now, I think that's entirely within your right. Do you think, okay, Avi, can I ask you, I mean, I think it's everybody's right to boycott anything they, they don't want to go to. And also like most people are not patronizing most businesses anyway. Like, as I have brought up, I have not been to Cafe Landwehr, not because of like (laughs) political opposition to it, but because it's like, it's not a place Mm -hmm. I've been. Would you say, Avi, that it's okay if somebody's boycotting Jewish businesses at this time because they're mad at Israel, Jewish Canadian businesses, Jewish ones, and that that's their their thing? Because obviously anybody can do whatever they want in the privacy of their own head. But like, let's say somebody's organizing a boycott. Look, how is that different from the reverse approach of somebody going and saying, you know, I think it's important that we should support Jewish businesses. Here's a list of Jewish businesses that you should go out of your way to go and support. Yes, I do because, think it's different. I think oh, it's extremely different from that. Yes, because, because it's pro, to, because it's love, because it's coming together. It's like when there was with, with Black Lives Matter, there was this real push to, to support black owned businesses. You had all these sort of white lady influencers saying that they're going to support, mm-hmm. you know, black owned dress shops or whatever. This was, they were not saying to boycott dress shops owned by white or Asian or any other groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. I'll, you know I'll what I mean? It. I think, I'm I think just, it's I'm a very different thing. I, I would say it's extremely <laughs> different. Yes. Um, but do you think that there are not uh, Jews who go around even casually and uh, and sometimes more formally and say, look, this business is owned by Palestinians, this business is pro-Palestinian, don't go shop at this store because they have a free I Palestine think- sign outside? Well, okay. So there are two different things, Avi. I think we have to set, or several different things that we have to separate out here. So one is a business with free Palestine in the window is different from a Palestinian business. Like I used to go all the time to a Palestinian restaurant in Brooklyn that was like, I remember this restaurant because it was like really, really good, but it was like not in the part of Brooklyn I lived in. So I would travel far to go to it. Um, It would be like these big subway expeditions. I don't remember having any like thoughts about the fact that it was a Palestinian restaurant. It wasn't like, ooh, it's Palestinian. It, it, it had nothing to do with politics. It, you also like, didn't know that this person's politics. This person I also been... couldn't care less. Like they yeah. I don't know what their politics were. They it wasn't a political restaurant. It wasn't like it wasn't presenting itself as come eat here if your politics are X. You know what I mean? Like so what I'm saying is I think there would be a very big difference to me between somebody Jewish or indeed anybody at all, but particularly somebody Jewish saying that they would not eat in a Palestinian owned restaurant versus saying that they would not eat in a restaurant with a big free Palestine sign. I think these are totally different things. I mean, I have since this war has broken out eaten in restaurants whose owners I'm sure would not have exactly my you didn't know politics. That, you didn't actually check I don't their care, politics. but I never check exactly. the politics of a restaurant. That's just not something Let I Let me ask I, you I, this. Let's 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 sharpen this. If you if there was a restaurant um that uh, whose owner was outspoken uh in his support for Hamas, do you think that one should 
How would um, I know? Is if, what I'm if they saying. were outspoken, they were on the social media and you were getting retweets from all these people saying, hey, this place, um, the owner just basically says death to all Jews from the river to the sea, um, free, you know, Hamas is right. Um, and uh, I wish they would have continued in their rampage. If somebody told me that a restaurant owner had said death to all Jews, I would not go to the restaurant. If somebody told me okay. that the restaurant owner is in favor of a ceasefire and um, thinks that 1948 was the Nakba, I would still eat at the restaurant. And I'm sure I do all the time. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's not the, to me, these seem yeah. like different, different things. Like if I learned that somebody wanted death to all Muslims, I wouldn't eat at their restaurant either. You know what I mean? Like, Correct. I, yes. I think that, and the other thing that I would say about this is that, and, and this was what actually what my column was about this week for the CJN was about, there are real haters you know, across the divides of this, you know, who is so like the, anybody who imagines that they're on the side of the nice people, I really think has has another thing coming because there are people and I'm talking specifically if we just limit the conversation, we don't even talk about Jews or Muslims at all, but we just talk about like white Western people, right? Just to make it really, really simple, white Western people of Christian origin, whatever their current um, faith practices are, who are either pro-Palestinian because it's like, aha, finally I can hate Jews and everybody says that it actually makes me a good person. And look at that after we've been blamed for the Holocaust all this time, look at this. Now we can say that the Jews are actually the bad ones. Isn't that wonderful? There are also people of that same sort of uh, ethnic subset who are like, who, who, who are Zionists because they see Israel as the white side. They don't know what Israelis actually look like. They've never been to Israel. They have no idea what they're talking about. And they're just like, they've decided that Israel is the white people. And they're saying that all the protesters should be deported. All the pro-Palestinian protesters should be deported from Western countries. You see that, you know, mm -hmm. you also see people who are pro-Israel because they want Jews to leave France, for example, like right-wing French people who are like, yeah, yeah, Israel. And then it's like, obviously, they just want Jews to go to, to Israel, Israel and not yeah. be in France. Um, and there are people who, and this is something I remember seeing, like, I tried to find this, like, I did research on my own ancient blog archives to try to find, because this must have been from like 2007 or so, where somebody had like, they, they were for free Palestine and also hated Jews. And this was like, they were literally like both. <laughs> they just like hate. Jews and Muslims and they were gonna but they were they framed their stuff as like because Palestine but they also like hated Muslims and Arabs like this you get all sorts of yeah. people who have all sorts of hateful ideologies and I think it's very easy to sort of imagine that like you're on the side of the nice people who don't want anything bad to happen to anybody. And it's like, no, there are, there are crappy people all around. And if I could take a step back and uh, please, go back please. to the original list of things that are making people afraid in Montreal. Sure. Um, and Federation has, you know, I'm getting multiple daily updates sometimes from Federation. Um, they're asking for off-duty cops to be able to patrol um, in the Jewish, uh, you know, establishments. Right now, you're not allowed to because, uh, you know, security guards cannot carry weapons. Off-duty cops are not allowed to act as security guards um, with their weapons. They want that to change. People are afraid. I've been speaking to people. People are afraid to send their kids to school. Um, and some are not, I'm sure. And a lot are. Um, it's, it's it's not a good situation. Uh, and I, 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 you know, to go to your point, but to take a step back from it, I think that so much of this is, is a little overblown. I think that people have to really um, 
you know, take the rhetoric down a bit. I think that uh, a single bullet fired into a doorway uh, is a ki- in the middle of the night when specifically nobody was would be around is basically like graffiti. I know people are strong to, disagree. I, Avi. I, I, I know. I will, I will be. I, I will speak up for the people who who have heard of how bullets are able to actually kill people. But anyway, I, I'm yes. aware that bullets are able to kill okay. people. But when you do okay. it specifically at night, when you know nobody's going to be there, you basically don't want to kill somebody. You're it, doing is a it, in a way. it is a it's, different sort of, okay, so it's it's a totally different realm than speech, because what it tells you isn't what somebody's politics are, it tells you that they have a gun and they're not afraid to use it. You know what well, I mean? they are That's afraid different. to use it. They're afraid to use it, you know, in a real manner. No, it's they're... a threat. It's a threat. It's a threat. It's not, it's not attempted yeah. murder, but it's, it, I, it's, it's violent. I think that the, the rhetoric is, is, is going up and up and up and escalating. And I think that we have to find ways to bring it down. I think that, um, there are many, many, uh, there are Jews who, as you point out, have abhorrent ideas. There are any time uh, when I hear Jews who go and say, well, I'm, "I'm talking f- not Avi." I'm going to have on. to correct you. I was not talking specifically about Jews in that. Uh, but you context. were. There are, you were there not, are people. There are people them? of all. No. <laughs> okay. But I'm saying that I'm saying that the reason. Well, it, in a way, I was actually. I kind of was excluding them. Not to say that there aren't Jews with abhorrent views. There are people of all backgrounds with abhorrent views. That's not the point. But what I'm saying is that there's a reason that this particular conflict draws so much attention and everyone's like oh well it's because of you know material support for israel from the west it's like from like well from you know the u.s primarily and it's like eh, i don't think that's all of it i think a lot of it especially in europe certainly is um about feelings about jews and muslims and this presenting an opportunity to um share those anyway but yeah so you're saying that montreal jews are afraid for nothing I'm not saying they're afraid for nothing, but I'm saying that there there's too much fear and that the rhetoric needs to be toned down. I you know, the example that I was about to give you was I, I hear a lot of people saying, Oh, I see Kathias on the street and it hurts me because these these are this is a dangerous symbol. You shouldn't be able to like, you know, that's considered like almost should be considered hate speech up there with swastikas. I've heard this um in emails from, you know, random people that are going around. I've seen this in socials. And I'm like, the people wearing kafias think kippahs are scary and dangerous and hurtful because... Do they? The, yes, They're 100%. Wait, wait, give me an example of one individual in the world who sees a kippah and is scared. I... I want I want like one. I, I want can one assure case. you that there are, there are tens of thousands, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of people living in Gaza when they see a soldier with an Israeli flag and or a kippah, right, they are afraid of that person. That's a, you've, you've changed the terms here. Uh, no, I said <laughs> who see a kippah walking down the street in Montreal, somebody in a kippah and they're scared. That's not an well, idea. Well, why do you think Jews are scared of wearing kippahs? I could tell you. I uh, you uh, well, okay. I can I'm I can explain to you. Um, a little bit about do you, do you want a response or, or you please want rant? yeah no rant. i'm not gonna um, rant <laughs> okay so i would say that threats of violence have like if you look at what's happened in france where jews have been really brutally murdered tortured and so forth over you know the middle east coming to france you know with demographics not so different from Montreal, with a lot of uh, Jews and Muslims of North African origin who, you know, have sort of pre-existing beef that I will not go into in full, even though I actually could. I did study Algerian Jews and like the history in um, French colonial Algeria. I could could totally ramble, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to say the point is that it can get bad. It can get bad. And um, I don't think that saying, well, people like, and I say this all as somebody who, if you would ask me before October 7th, if you would ask me on October 6th, 
where I stood on the whole let's fight anti-Semitism thing, I would have said, okay, this is a bunch of people who have too much time on their hands and who are trying to, you know, they're, they're squinting to see what they think looks like a swastika and the symbol of a British newspaper logo. They are really, you know, like they're worried. They think it's anti-Semitic if Old Navy puts out Hanukkah pajamas that have the wrong shaped, you know, menorah or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that was where it was at. And I thought, okay, this is just nonsense. People are wasting their time. I don't think they were vindicated here. I don't think it was that. I think it's that the the situation has objectively changed. I don't think they knew all along. No, nobody knew what was coming except Hamas. And, you know, what I'm saying is that I think that I, the, I the facts the on the ground have changed. Has and changed. that what, what, what I think is different is if there are actual genuine concrete incidents that you can point to, that's different from some sort of vestigial sense that people probably hate Jews, which evidently a lot of people do. But I don't think that people quietly hating Jews, but not doing anything about it has any particular impact on Jews. I think what has an impact is somebody shooting, like, I'm sorry, but people talk about school shootings. It's a very emotive topic because it's scary as hell. Canada, not known for having so many guns around, you know, not like the US. Um, Somebody shooting into an elementary school, like you see, you know, an elementary school, little children, fine, not during the day, but that's a threat against little children just for being Jewish. And that's abhorrent. And that's really, really upsetting. And I'm upset by it. And I, 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 I'm only, I, my, my Montreal connection is only that my late grandmother grew up in Montreal and she went to public school. She did not go to Jewish school. I'm still really upset. But I would, I guess the other thing I would say is that I'm, I'm going to just continue on the, to get to the kafia part. I think there's a difference between I, I want to kind of like parse the difference between different kinds of scared and what it means, what what fear means. I'm not scared if I see a kafia. I'm not like, oh, my God, that means this person is is going to like take that kafia and strangle me with it. Of course not. But I want to talk about the difference between a kafia and like a huge, huge, huge mobilization on one side and not another side in the place where you live, because that's what it is in Toronto where I live. There's huge, huge mobilization on one side and not the other side. And it's not, there's, there's no March on Washington going through Ronces Vales. I mean, that's not how it is. And I'm, I'm not scared of personally as a Jew, like walking down the street. First of all, I don't think anybody has a clue what I am, especially when I'm in the parka, you know, nine months out of the year here. But I think I'm, I'm scared of what it means. Or it's not even sc- scared isn't even the right word. I, I'm angry or just frustrated. Or I don't even know. Like maybe it's not even emotional. I just don't think that a world where Jews are unsafe goes well for Jews or for anybody. I think it doesn't bode well for liberal democracy. I think you look at stuff like in France, the Bada clan, you look at attacks, you know, that kill like terrorist attacks are not good for anybody. You know what I mean? Like this isn't, they're not good for Muslims either. They're not good for anybody. And I think if you see what's happening is extremely bad for Jews and with harbingers of bad things to come for everybody. Yeah. It's scary. Even if I'm not, even if I'm personally definitely more likely to be hit by a car randomly than for somebody to be like, aha, you write for the Canadian Jewish news. Amorphous fear is because I know that there's definite distinct fears from a lot of Jews in Montreal. That's what I'm trying to say is overblown. I'm not, I, I know that the facts on the ground have changed, but I'm trying to figure out what is it that one needs to be afraid of in this day and age, right? Given that there really haven't been any direct bodily threats on people. I saw, you know, a great line that I saw, right, which some people are going to yell at and some people are not, but I thought it was very indicative um, when Federation sent out an email saying that there's an extra grant 
grant available for security guards for Jewish institutions. They'll give $1,000 to Jewish institutions um, uh, for security when people are present because we're interested in protecting buildings, not interested in protecting people, not buildings, right? So if the only thing that has been hurt so far and been damaged so far are buildings and no person has been threatened with anything yet, then, then we, you know, there's... By that definition, there's nothing there, right? There's a lot of stuff that's happening. There's a lot of vandalism, right? And it's not good that there's vandalism. Like I said, the facts on the ground have changed. But to really escalate this to this like morbid sense of like total fear that everybody should be in lockdown, everybody should, you know, go to shul with 10 security guards outside. We shouldn't go to these institutions. We should not send our kids to school. I think that that only ratchets up everything that's happening. And we have to scale this back. We have to be able to say, let's not be so afraid. Let's recognize, and this is a very important point, right? All of the anti-Semitism that everybody goes and says, oh, you see, this is 1933 all over again. Um, This is anti-Semitism that is not state-sponsored. Actually, the the state protects Jews at every step along the way. Anything that has happened, we have gone to the police, we have said, help us here, they have helped us. And, and, And that is a fundamental difference between now and any other time in history, and we should use that to our advantage to have recognize... Have the police figured out who, who did all I, this I, I am not... I, I haven't heard a, seen a press release yet, but, <laughs> yeah, but I am... Yeah, I, I, they I mean, are <laughs> spending a lot of time on it. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I can assure you um, that that they're like that's that's a good thing, and and that happens across North America, across Western Europe. Jews are protected for being Jews. Right. It, any hatred that is directed at them for being Jews is something which the state will go and say that is not acceptable. That is a huge difference, and that should ratchet down the fear. That should take us down to a level to say, great, vandalism is not good, graffiti is not good, bullets are really not good, being shouted at <laughs> is not good. But but, but, like we know that we are in a place where this is actually a safer space to be. Okay, I think we can maybe meet midway on this somewhere where I'm going to agree with you that it's not 1933. I'm going to I mean, I I think that the reality is there is actually a war happening. And the idea of like, why is it different to say Jewish lives matter than than black lives matter? Well, you, you do look like there is actually a war. People can look at what's happening in Gaza. There are death tolls like this is not it's not blood liable to say that the Israeli army has has killed people, right? Like that, that is just fact the civilians i mean that that is a fact and i don't think i don't think analogizing in that way is necessarily productive however i'm really going to i'm going to come down hard on like shooting at a school building or a synagogue but particularly a school building um at any hour is a huge really really like line crossing act of violence and really like creepy, creepy as hell. It's like, it's like, we're going to come for your kids. And it really made me think of um, early on in all of this, there was some professor in California who said she was going to come for the children of Zionist journalists. And I was like, well, shit, you know, like, um, but yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) like, I, I think that, that, that I would take all of this seriously, because if you do look at how it's gone in France, these things are not, the, the threats are not empty. And it doesn't mean that every act of of vandalism is accompanied by, you know, a corresponding massacre. But it does mean that, you know, once you get in this sort of righteous violence mood, you get a lot of people being, you know, what they see as righteously violent. And I don't I think that, yes, I think that the way we may differ on how to 
sort of crack down on it and how to get everybody to calm down. But I think what you're saying, you're asking Jews to calm down. And I'm saying that's not really who needs to calm down. It's whoever is shooting at an elementary school needs to calm down. Because I think it is scary. And it's also obvious. I would say that like, if you're, and we both are, but if you're a Jewish parent and you see, you, you read these accounts of what happened on October 7th, it's really, really hard not to be scared. And I think I would say it is important to have perspective and to not assume that your own fear is really, to not, as they, as the, as the social justice kids say, center your own fear. It's not, this is not really about us, but it also kind of is about us because it's such a fluke. So I actually think that it often is about us. And yes, there's something there that is putting the Jews in front and center of what's going on in the world stage right now. I'm afraid of what the alternative is. If everybody goes and fears and fears and fears and we escalate and we escalate, right, we're going to end up in a place of, you know, the violence is going to become inevitable on our streets because there's fear, which makes people edgy, which makes people, um, you know, want to jump at somebody who might want to jump back and 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 that's not a good place to be well, it's I also think. it's also just the letting the terrorists win type thing of like yeah if you, if you, if you stop there. no but what i would say no but i would say that like there is the argument for like and i i've thought this yeah. over the years because like so when i was growing up in new york i don't i wouldn't say that this started in my earliest childhood i don't know exactly what year it started or i have not like studied which years it ramped up but like jewish institutions have like a lot of security. Like if you pass a, the JCC on the Upper West Side, it, there is like, there are big mm-hmm. cement blocks. Like y- you don't have that on Bloor. You know what I mean? Like this is just, and I, I have often thought that all this does is like, it, it serves, or not all it does, it, it protects the building, but it also, you know, and the people in it, it also serves as this constant visual reminder of like Jews are hated. Jews are uniquely hated. And it's, it's scary and it changes how you think about things. And I think the problem is here you have this kind of in this moment, though, this rather concrete evidence. Like, I, this is why I have trouble saying that it's like propaganda when you see like images from October 7th. I mean, everything can be propaganda, but the fact is Jews were massacred, raped, you know, mm-hmm. butchered. Like, this did yeah. actually happen. It's not some sort of like, talking point like it did happen so So, yeah i guess i guess what i'm saying is like i i'm torn because i i agree with you that it shouldn't all be about kind of like like i think there's even a sort of political case against whatever sort of safetyism but like like a pro-jewish political case but i guess the fact is like there are also safety concerns yeah um you know, I was listening to and, and I was searching for alternatives. And I am not a huge fan of this individual, despite the fact that I own a Tesla. Um, oh, Elon, Musk, okay. Elon Musk. Um, but he was on the Lex Friedman podcast uh, this week, last week. Oh, uh, Avi. I'm Avi. Not, I, I like to hear all points of view. And I like to hear things across the board. And I think it's important. And like I said, there are very few opinions that I may agree with this individual. I think that he has some really, really abhorrent ideas. Um, but at some point, Elon Musk was asked, it was also it was actually the very beginning, he was like, what do you make this? We're, we're about a month into this war in, in Gaza. It's it's scary. It's bad. It's horrible. Um, what do you make of this? And he answered, he said, the only way out of this, and he didn't go into specifics about it. And I don't, he, I, I'm not sure what the specifics can and 
should be, but I think it's worth exploring, is is just the overall idea and that he was like, well, the only way that Israel is going to get out of this in, in some real meaningful way is radical acts of kindness and not, you know, one or two, but oh massive God, on, Avi, on a massive amount Avi, of time. Hold on. This is hold cringe. On. This hold is on. cringe. Hold on a second. Right. He is 100 percent right that Israel going into Gaza and every time they kill a civilian, even maybe rightfully so, that person has five relatives that are, you know, multiple of them are going to become, uh, you know, into, you know, are going to become radicalized, are going to become some sort of Hamas uh, sympathizer or maybe even active in the, you know, in this in the struggle. Um, we are not rooting out Hamas. We are not going, that is not going away. The hatred for Israel is not going away because we have gone in and we've taken over, uh, you know, a hospital or, you know, Gaza in general or whatever it's going to be, rightfully so, in order for the defense of Israel. But the only okay, way... a couple hold of on, the two things hold on, here. The Abby, only okay. way, let me finish this, the only way that he, that he, what he's talking about it is to show, right, we're not the bad guys. You want to show that you're not the bad guys? Sh- start acting and start doing things that the world will go and see and Gaza will go and see that you actually care about people. Okay, two things here, although I could do more than two. One is, do you think of Elon Musk as a person who's generally, whose starting point is is wishing Jews well? Again, I... Because I think uh, that matters. A broken, I matters. said already that this person has abhorrent views. No, I, no, I no, think- no. But I'm, the reason I say this is because what do you think is, what do you think is driving his point? Because I think that matters. Um, what do you think is driving the point? I... I... I, I really don't know. I think he, he doesn't like war. I think he's trying to avoid war in general. He doesn't okay. like conflict. He's trying to promote so, um, some I sort hate, of peacefulness yes. in some way or another. <laughs> I, I don't. So I'm going to say I'll, I'll give my priors here, which is I don't know squat about the military. I don't know what military actions work. I read about there being this hospital that has, you know, dying children and also, you know, people who have, who it would be, entirely militarily appropriate to kill, you know, all in the same spot. I don't know what the, I don't I, know what I anybody should, but what I was going to, listen, I'm listen, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to finish, I'm going to finish my point now, which is, I see this and I literally, I, fortunately, I am not in charge of the IDF and I don't know what they should do. And I, it's just, this to me seems more like one of these ethical dilemmas, like with the people on the train tracks and you have to choose, like, to me, this seems like at a level beyond what I can figure out. Okay. So I'm not, that that's and I say this as somebody pro-Israel, right? Like I pro-Israel in the sense of like I believe that Israel as a Jewish state should continue to exist, and I am glad that it exists. Okay, so that's that's my perspective. I don't know what should happen, and I would like to see, you know, no civilian casualties, right? Like that's what I would like to see on any, on any side, and I'm that's why I'm like a I'm this like bimbo here talking about this because I don't know I don't know these answers, right? But what I'm saying is, I think you do get to this point where it's like. If you have this kind of why can't we all just get along Israel first, what happens next? And I feel like there's no there nobody ever really gives a good answer to that because if the what happens next is okay, so Hamas is like great and then they just take over, that doesn't work out very well. And that and I don't even just mean in there, I mean in general, like in any context. I mean you get this you, I mean, the whole sort of like defund the police, like, let's see, like, it, can't everybody just I, get along? I, I will. I agree with you. Yeah. And I am with you in that I don't know. And I, I like to quote uh, 
all the time, famous American politician, uh, statesman who said, I don't know, there, there's unknown unknowns, right? I don't know what I don't know. There's so much that is, you know, completely hidden from what's going on. I, they could entirely be justified in every action that they are doing. I'm not going to comment or critique what is actually happening in terms of facts on the ground right now, because you are, you are likely right that in the long lens of history, right, it is going to show that Israel was completely right in dealing with whatever dealing they had to do um, with whatever hospital, with whatever action, with whatever time, whatever it is. It's entirely possible that Israel comes off completely blameless for this. And yet, and yet, I don't think any, yet, any army is going to come off completely blameless I, I'm for anything. I'm saying it's but impossible yes. that it can. And yet, yes. even that being true, right, having millions of Palestinians now have a growing hatred for Israel because of what they saw Israel just did, right? In that sense, I I that is where he is coming from. And that is where I'm coming from at a more micro level. I don't know what it looks like at a macro level. I really don't know because I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. I'm not going to to opine on that. But I think that showing that as Jews, we are the we are the people that are going towards peace that are going towards towards the other person always at a macro level and at a micro level. Uh, you want a practical thing? If you are afraid of Palestinians who say from the river to the sea, if you are afraid of, of a store that says free Palestine, instead of walking away from it or crossing the street and, and God forbid not going in, go into that store. Go into that store and say, I want you to know that I may disagree with you, but you are a person and I would love to, you know, at the very least get to know you, even if we strongly disagree about whatever grounds it is that we have. And I think that that is the first step. We have to be able to go and move forward and not be fearful and to say, these are ideas. We'd like to discuss them in terms of ideas. And 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 that level is at the small micro level. We have to be able to go and tell people I am here. I may disagree with you. I want to have a right to exist. I understand that you have a right to exist. I need us to not hate each other. And at the, the way that you don't hate each other is to say, I could have boycotted your store, but I'm choosing to go and buy something because I, I respect you and you are a person, you are a human being. I think that that's a, a, a moving sentiment for how everyone should get along in the diaspora. I don't think that it really covers the situation. I, I like I said, I think Israel. it is. I, yeah. I, I don't. I think I said that's, that. that's I a nice thing to do. I think that's a nice thing to do in Toronto. I don't think that that's. Um, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I, I think it's a it's a nice sentiment for for somewhere else. I don't think it's going to work. I mean, I, I guess the other thing I would say is, I mean, I think the problem that there a couple things here, and I'm going to be like, I'm I'm like I'm like this boomer, right? Like, I, I'm 40, but I'm like this. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm the wrong age, but the point is, um, I see this, and I think of a couple things. I think about the fact that. The Holocaust, yes, we're going to bring it up. <laughs> that, that that thing. I will not make a joke. Don't worry. Before, the, dear listeners, before I'm sure I'm, I'm sure you're trying. You're I'm sure you are like covering your mouth to avoid doing so. Um, but it happened before there was Israel, before the Palestinian cause, before any of this. And I think this idea that if only Jews were more sort of peaceable and not so militaristic, it, Jews would do fine, and that anti-Semitism is really just about Israeli actions. I think it, it's something that Israel it, is that, that sort of guides how Israel itself understands things, okay? So I'm not just talking about like, I'm, I'm not speaking as me, I'm talking about like, I'm trying to analyze 
like why Israel might want to show off its military might. But also, I mean, there is a kind of fact on the ground in which Israel has, to some extent, arguably, um, made things safer for Jews everywhere by just its existence and this sort of sense of security, even if it hasn't necessarily made things so safe for the Jews living there at all times, you know, obviously. So that's one thing. And the other is just this idea that I think, like, that war can never accomplish anything, I think is very, um, like, even war, like, fighting back can never accomplish anything is, is tricky. So like, whether Israel should be doing exactly what it's doing or not, that again, beyond like, over my head, whatever. But I'm saying like, you do get a I lot think of it's people important, like you said, to about bracket okay. history to bracket yes. what's going on in Israel in terms of the war on the ground. And, and we're really trying to talk about what's happening in North America. Um, right. You know, but okay, you I, are giving an argument of the go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Um, but I was going to say, like, I have seen a lot of people saying like, so would you say in World War Two, that, you know, like, there were German civilians, German children, babies did nothing wrong. You know, they didn't decide to, they're not Nazis. Was it wrong for a single one of them to have died? And it's like, on the one hand, yes, it was wrong for a single person who's, you know, a baby ever to, you know what I mean? Like, of course, at the same time, what are we supposed to do? Like, and I'm not saying that this is the same situation. I don't think it's the same. I don't think that Hamas are Nazis. I don't think it's the same situation. I, I don't think that they're nice people. Um, well, I, I actually think that they I, hate Jews just as much as the Nazis did. <laughs> but I think they have they have a different reason for it, which is there is an actual contest over land, you know? Sure. So you're it's asking... different. I, it's what it sounds like to than, me is that you're than, asking for an argument from the long lens of history. And I, I'm saying... No, what I'm saying is that I think there's a sort of something's going on with this particular conflict, this idea that from people who aren't like hundred percent pacifists in general, that somehow Israel fighting back is wrong, but in general, like they're not pacifists. They think there are situations where war is just, but, but this particularly isn't because why? Yeah. I, and this is something. And if you're which, a pacifist all around, I, you're a pacifist I will all circle around. back to, to, to the position. point I've been, I will circle back to the point that I've been trying to make for a while. None of these arguments can be made or discussed or have any sort of you know, anything, um, if we are so tense that we can't actually talk to other people. You, how do you think you can possibly explain to somebody how the Holocaust is related to what's going on here and our safety and security when you're so afraid of this person's kafia or this person's free Palestine sticker that you can't even talk to them, right? Or, or you're, you know, okay. we're living in fear. I'm saying that that is the only way that we're actually going to get that message across, which is that there are ideas here that need to be discussed, right? The well, only way that yeah, that's going to happen yeah. is if we actually talk to each other. And, and so that doesn't happen. True. Okay. When when we're constantly bringing the fear levels up. Okay, so I, I see what you're saying. I think you might have the source of, and I, I would say that I saw something posted on Twitter that was about a TDSB, so Toronto Public School, some kind of initiative that was bringing um, Muslim and Jewish students together, and, and there were all these pictures of it, and it looked really like like now. Not this wasn't from like some decades ago. This was like during this war, you know, and it looked really nice, and it looked like they're really doing the thing you're talking about, like getting people to mm -hmm. just get along where they can to talk to each other. Mm -hmm. And that seemed, you know, that, that it was, it was heartwarming. Right. Um, I think though um, that I, I wouldn't say that the source of 
of this sort of misunderstanding is like Jews afraid of bullets. I think that's legitimate and normal and anybody would be. I think the source of the misunderstandings is much more the fact that like everybody under, I forget whichever age is getting their news on TikTok, right? People are extremely, extremely ill-informed. And I think the problem isn't that they like the, the person who's Palestinian and has their stance and that they understand, and they understand things from their perspective and the person who's Jewish and possibly also Israeli and has their stance and understands things from their perspective. Those are not the only people in this conversation. And demographically, they're rather few of the people in this conversation. They're, 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 they're a blip in this conversation. There are people all around the world getting their, their getting worked up from memes, from things they've seen on the internet, who don't have any idea about anything. And that's why, like, I'm not even talking about like misinformation or disinformation of the style of like, here's a photo from Syria and that's being, that somebody's claiming is Gaza. No, I'm talking about like people who just have absolutely no idea who the players even are. You know, it's yeah. not even just that they don't know which river and which sea, like they don't know at all. Like there was this, I mean, this thing that I wrote about was this, this post about like that, this whole idea that that Israel is a bunch of like white people who decided to, you know, role play as Middle Easterners. And they seem to completely not only miss the existence of Middle Eastern Jews, but, you know, North African and Middle Eastern Jews, mm -hmm. um, but also... I am the product of both. Yes, yes. <laughs> but also, they're also missing why these individuals ceased to be in Europe. And it wasn't to to find a better land, you know, it wasn't out for many of, you know, that, that yeah, was not so, always it. So, yeah, I'm just saying that what I'm saying is that there are people who are, you know, and I, I think you probably get this on, on both sides. You probably get pro-Israel Jewish 19 year olds who like have no idea why Palestinians would be upset about anything and are just, and assume mm -hmm. that they just hate Jews and haven't really thought about it. I think you, but I'm saying, I think there are just a lot of people who have no idea of any about anything that's going on. And then the problem that I see is that you then see on social media, like I saw somebody posted, forget that if this was to Twitter or to Blue Sky or one of these, some sort of reading list of how to become informed. And it was like Rashid Khalidi, you know, Edward Said. It's like, okay, yeah, that that's one way to get informed. But like, if you really wanted to be informed, you'd have to read like different perspectives. Like, sure. Yeah. And and anyway. that doesn't happen if we're on either side. You know, I'll close it off. I think we, we've, we've gone long enough. Um, but um, before we had our live event, I actually had uh, dinner with our producer and our executive producer, uh, Michael Freeman and Zach Kaufman. We were at a kosher restaurant in uh, a food court, basically in Lawrence Plaza. And the uh, kosher section is because it's part of a uh, larger store and they have a separate section that's more restauranty um, next to the store that if you want to eat your food there and make it feel like it's more of an interesting space that you can go and eat there. And we t we ordered our food and we sat and we ate in the food court and the owner of the uh, jewelry store of which this is a, a uh, like affiliated uh, was like, you know, we have this because he saw me with my kippa on, uh, you know, we have a, a private dining room that if you want to eat there, you can. And and uh, I, it was it was like really interesting that like at that point, uh, Michael Freeman goes, you know, I think in times like this, it's important that we actually integrate with everybody else. And then he started showing us pictures of IDF soldiers who were died. And he's like, you know, he, he as in not the owner, Michael. sorry, the not owner. Michael, sorry, the owner was like. <laughs> here's some pictures of IDF soldiers who died fighting for this. Excuse me if I don't think integration is a good idea. And 
that's, I think, at the core of it all is that we're not going to learn. We're only going to learn from our own social media feeds if we're only talking to each other and we're only stuck in our own bubbles. And we, we just need to get out of these bubbles somehow or another and, and not create more bubble material, more bubble wrap as, as yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. I, I know there there isn't um, okay. endless time to to go into it, but yeah, I mean, one thing we should we may touch on again in, in the future is just like the differences between like observant versus secular experiences of this. Because sure. if you're secular, that you have a lot more eating options. Certainly, you don't. You know, yes. like how are you going into the the Let's, non like you're not going into the non kosher totally. restaurants. But Let's yes, put a pin in that. We, we will put we a pin in that because spend so much time in that. Let's get to our nachos, though. We will do that. We will do that. Are you in the market for a new watch or a special piece of jewelry? Are you looking for the perfect engagement ring to pop the question? Atelier Lou has all this and more. Eric and the team at Atelier Lou can craft a piece for you, or you can select from some of the exclusive designers that they offer. From a simple bangle to a statement necklace, Atelier Lou can make you or your loved ones sparkle. Located in the heart of Westmount in Montreal or online at atelierlou.com, visit Atelier Lou for your next watch or jewelry purchase. And when you do, make sure to use promo code BON18 for 10% off your next purchase. That's atelierlou.com. Phoebe, what's your nachos? My nachos is going to be um, a Substack post by Gabrielle Moss called Same As It Jezzer Was, Meet the New Lady Mag, Same As The Old Lady Mag. And it's about Jezebel and the, the death of Jezebel, which is Jezebel Not a Person, Jezebel A Blog, a women's blog that was like the women's version of Gawker that then became bigger than Gawker and sort of outlived it. it it stayed like gawker disappeared came back disappeared again jezebel stuck around for a long time and is now gone and it's about just sort of women's media and it's this really it's just like brilliantly written like she's just really really funny like whether or not this is a topic that interests you although it, why not because it's a good topic but um so she herself uh worked for a long time at bustle which was a kind of more corporate version even of jezebel so she was sort of um she had a firsthand view of a lot of these things. And she has this blog that's about the uh, 2010s, or I guess, or is it, no, the 2000s, called The Worst Years of Our Lives, her, her substack, um, about the 2000s. And it's just, it's like, it's a history lesson, but it's entertaining and it's like a real ride. Um, and that's what I would recommend. I really enjoyed reading that. Um, it has nothing to do with war if that's okay with you. That's um, totally but, okay with me. <laughs> yeah, so that that was what I enjoyed. So um, Gabrielle Moss, same as it Jezzer was um, from the worst years of our lives, Substack. Avi, what's yours? Gonna... What's your um, nachos? So I have, uh, it's not really two nachos. This is more one and a half. One is generalized and one is an example of it. Um, we were talking about these boycotts of these kosher restaurants. Um, if you think that that's an important thing to do, um, you should go and uh, support. I think that it's important to go and support uh, establishments that you care, that you show that you care, um, especially ones that are in Israel. I know that there was a lot of, um, uh, there's usually a lot of various art fairs and stuff, for example, that, um, 
come to America around the holiday times for uh, Israelis to be able to sell their wares in North America, and they don't get that option nearly as much this year. There's not a lot of, uh, of these happening around the Hanukkah gift-giving time. Um, so going to our Jewish, going to our Israeli establishments and supporting them um, is good. And I'd like to point out two things. Um, it's fascinating that there are now uh, multiple uh, art projects or artists getting together. Uh, one of these came from Culturally Jewish, actually, and it was mentioned on our sister culture podcast, Culturally Jewish. Um, and the other one was something that I also serendipitously found, but there are others out there. I just uh, want to highlight these two because I actually just bought art from these two um, projects. One was called, one is called Lifeline Art from the Shadow, and it's this artist, Adi Drimmer, that started documenting in real time the WhatsApp chat from the kibbutz that she is from um, and turned it into an art piece. And it's like everything that's happening in real time written down in this nice, beautiful way. She turned it into an, uh, a poster, uh, a print, and you can buy that. And we can put a li- uh, link to it in the show notes. It's lifeline-art.com. Uh, and there is uh, Photographers for Israel that put together a site uh, with a bunch of different pieces. And all the proceeds of all of these pieces are going to um, support uh, Israeli artists and Isra- the Israeli cause and, uh, you know, whatever people are needing in Israel right now. Uh, the Photographers for Israel I um, has actually several pieces from Naomi Harris, who was featured in the CJN magazine. Um, so you should check that out. It's the the old uh, the older individuals uh, in restaurants and uh, in living in Florida. I don't know if you remember those, uh, Phoebe, from the yes, uh, of course. These last years, they were such wonderful pieces. You can own of a piece course. of that. Um, I, I got a piece of that. I also got a wonderful still life from this artist uh, Dan Perez. Um, so and there's a lot more other pieces. So go and uh, buy some art put some pretty stuff on your walls um, to uh, support uh, Israel right now. So that's, that's my not. I had to, I had a question about, about this, which is, is Canada post even mailing things from Israel at this point? Because it wasn't. And I'm looking so while if I sounded a little bit aloof during this moment, it was because I was actually using my computer to look up about what the actual answer is. It says yellow Israel, yellow alert. We will attempt delivery to these communities and regions. Um, so West Bank and Gaza art, Strip, red alert. Because of art and <laughs> Canada prints, Post probably, is not accepting mail. <laughs> I believe that what they're doing is they're printing it in North America and then sending it from within North America. So okay. that you don't okay. have to worry I mean, about it. But I, I had, I had wondered yeah. about this because I had seen on some forum something like support Israel, buy from these businesses. And I thought, well, that that's an interesting notion. But like, are, is that even possible? And, and um, yeah. Ish ish there you go um good episode i uh, i always respect your opinions even if we disagree with them I, you know um it's always great to talk Likewise. <laughs> uh I, we do we would love to hear i mean i'm sure there are people in montreal that strongly disagree with us please let us know uh i'd love to hear what's going on on your side uh, i want to hear things. from all the and i want to hear from all the people who agree with us and who think we're both right in different ways Thank you for listening to Moshe Chai for the week ending November 18th Shabbat Parashat Toledot. The show is produced and edited by Zach Kaufman. The executive producer for CJN Podcast is Michael Freeman. Our music is by SoCal. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. You can listen to all our past episodes on our page at thecjn.ca slash bonjour, and you can subscribe to the podcast and automatically receive all episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love it if you told a friend about Moshe Chai. It is always one of the best ways we get new listeners. And as always, of course, you can email us with comments or questions or ideas at bonjour at the cjn.ca. 
The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.